Well, summer is a time when people look for being refreshed. How do you get it? For some people, it might just be taking a trip to the beach and relaxing. It might be doing some other activity that you find fun and relaxing. Maybe it's just the sense of getting away from it all and feeling refreshed. But the real question is, how do you feel refreshed? You know, do you feel just relaxed? Do you feel like all those burdens and worries and responsibilities have been set aside and there's really nothing on your mind that concerns you? We could all have our different definitions of being refreshed, and maybe we have different ways of getting refreshed. How about this? Do you think you could be refreshed through repentance? It's probably not two concepts that we put together, but as we're going to see today as we continue our study through the Psalms this summer, that there is a time for repentance which leads to refreshment. We're going to be looking today at one of the rather well-known penitential psalms, a psalm of King David, Psalm 51. I'm just going to take you into the first half now, and later we'll look at the second half. David writes this, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Now, repentance is probably not a very exciting topic. If people knew we were going to preach about repentance today, I don't know that there'd be a long line outside the church, not that there is anyway, to come in and hear the message. Because people are looking for something maybe more uplifting, something more exciting. They might say, why don't, why don't you tell me something that makes me feel good? Why don't you tell me something that's going to help improve my life? Well, guess what? This is where it starts. Before the verses that I read, there's a title that's part of the psalm. It says, For the Director of Music, a Psalm of David. David wrote this prayer of confession, repentance, and gave it to the director of music because he wanted it to be part of their public worship. In fact, some of the words are very familiar to us and we'll be singing them after the message today. But his point was, what I am praying here is very common to everybody. 
And yet it's something that's very personal. We all need it. Now the title goes on and says, this is when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Do you remember that story? David, now the king of Israel, and he begins to lust for his neighbor's wife, invites her up to the palace and has an affair with her. She becomes pregnant and he's worried. So he has her husband, who's a soldier, called back from war for some R&R. But he didn't want to be distracted with that, and he went back to the front lines. And now David is worried. So he sends a message to his general to put this man, Uriah is his name, in the very front line where the battle is the fiercest, so that he would be killed. And he was. And then David, fulfilling now again his desires, takes this woman to be his wife. Later, when David comes to realize his sin, he writes this psalm of repentance. So we're going to look at it because we want to find out what is real repentance. Because it doesn't sound like the actions he was taking were very sorrowful. But sometimes I think people, maybe us too, have some confusion as far as what repentance is. As Paul pointed out in that letter we heard earlier from 2 Corinthians, sometimes we confuse repentance with just the idea of being sorry and having regret. Maybe even being upset over the consequences of our sin. But as is pointed out, that's not real Repentance, that's just worldly sorrow or regret. David, with his words, teaches us what real repentance is. There are three aspects to it. We can maybe illustrate it with this diagram, starting with that, with that center uh, figure. The first thing we need to do is simply acknowledge our sin. And by that, I mean we need to own up to it. You know, David knew what he did, but he was trying to cover it up, cover it up to others, cover it up maybe even to himself, trying to justify it, and he was definitely trying to cover it up before God. But then God sent the prophet Nathan to David. Nathan came to him and said, I want to tell you something. There's a guy who has a, a, a little lamb in his family, and, and that lamb is very dear to them. It's like his family pet. Well, his neighbor, who was rich, came and, and took that lamb and slaughtered it so he could give a meal to a visitor. David was outraged when he heard that. And he said, that man must be put to death. And then Nathan said to him, you are the man. And David realized then his sin and writes this psalm. Thirteen times in those verses that I read, he used what we refer to as the first person pronoun, me and my. He was owning that sin. He wasn't trying to pass it off, saying, well, you know, that happens. Everyone does it. Nobody was hurt. He was acknowledging what it was. He knew it as sin. He called it sin, 
And that was a Hebrew word that meant continued disobedience. He called a transgression, which means there was a line that was drawn, and I stepped over it. He referred to it as iniquity, which is a word meaning guilt. David understood he had sinned against God. In fact, he said, there, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Well, after we own up to our sin and call it what it is, then we need to confess it. The Apostle John, in in writing his first letter, said this, if we confess our sins, and that word in the Greek, it's homologeo, which means to say the same thing. If we say the same thing about our sins that God says, they were wrong, they violated his law, and they're deserving of the punishment he has set. And so David acknowledges his sins, that he sinned against God. But John goes on to say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now we might wonder, how could God do that? How could he set a a, a law and the punishment for it and then turn around and simply wipe it all out? John tells us in the verse before, he says, For the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, we want to say that too. Not just that our sins were wrong, but that God forgives them. All sin. You see the the little uh, letter A after that word all, there's a footnote in the Bible that says the word could be translated every. Jesus' blood purifies us from every sin. Those, Those maybe little sins that we think are inconsequential and no big deal to the big ones that we think, how could they ever be forgiven? All sins have been forgiven by God. And so what then John urges us to do is the second part of repentance is appeal to God's grace. That's how he started out the psalm. He said, have mercy on me, O God. Mercy implies don't treat me the way I deserve to be treated. Instead, he's appealing to God's mercy that he be treated with love, according to your unfailing love. In some translations, the the word for unfailing love is, is translated loving kindness. And I like that word because it reminds us of God's love, which is unconditional, unearned, undeserved, but we have it. It's loving means it's active, it's doing something, and it's kindness. God shows his love to us in acts of kindness. According to your great compassion. That's God who has compassion on us. Who understands what we go through. What we have done. And loves and wants to forgive and bless. He called it great compassion. That that word means many compassions. 
multitude of compassions. God's forgiveness just keeps repeating itself again and again and again, no matter how many times we sin. The Apostle Paul, in talking about repentance, said, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. The fact that God forgives is what moves us to repent. You see, if I didn't think God would forgive, if I would think that God is only going to punish me, do you think I'd be going and telling him what I did? I'd be like a little kid trying to cover it up, lying about it because I don't want to get in trouble. But the fact that God is forgiving moves me to say, I have sinned against you. And I'm appealing to your grace. Because that's the only thing that works. Then we can be assured of his forgiveness. Repentance is not just acknowledging we have done wrong and appealing to the grace, but having confidence, trust, faith that we are forgiven. Listen how David expressed that. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Cleanse me with hyssop. That's kind of an interesting phrase. What, what's hyssop? Hyssop is a plant that looks something like this. And in the old days, they used it as like a brush or a sponge. And so in certain religious ceremonies where they had to sprinkle water on the people, or when they had to sprinkle blood from the sacrifice, either on the people or, or maybe on the altar, they used hyssop. So hyssop was just the tool, the instrument that brought them the thing that was to cleanse them, the water and the blood. We have that too, the instrument, the tool that brings us the cleansing blood of Jesus in the Lord's Supper. There we have the body and blood of Jesus with the bread and the wine. The very price that was paid to redeem us is given to us so that we are assured of forgiveness. In baptism, the water is put on us with God's name spoken, declaring now that we are part of his family, we are his children. And so it is that we too have hyssop that cleans us. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow, he says. We can think of snow, we can think of a blanket of snow and how white it looks. Well, I can tell you from years of shoveling snow when I was a kid, that that white snow is white all the way down to the bottom. And that's what he's saying here. Your cleansing of me will be thorough. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Have you ever erased something on paper and you look and you can still kind of see it? Or maybe you've done it on a marker board and you erase it and then there's still kind of that grime on the marker board. We might think that that's also what goes on with our sin, that even though it's forgiven, we we still remember it. But God doesn't. He removes it completely. Years ago when my two youngest were smaller and my wife would send them down the hall to take their bath, she'd remind them as they're going down the hall, make sure you use soap, because it was soap that would get them clean. It's God's grace that gets us clean.
So real repentance is acknowledging our sin, appealing to God's grace, and then be assured we are forgiven. Now I know that talking about sin and the need for repentance isn't a message that's always exciting to people. It isn't popular. It's kind of like maybe going to the dentist. Nobody really, I knew one guy in my life who liked going to the dentist, but everybody else really doesn't like going to the dentist. But we know it's something important that has to be done for our health. And while repentance may not be something exciting, it is necessary, and it leads to good spiritual health. So if you need a little help, remember what Paul wrote, that it's God's kindness that leads us to repent. Think of his kindness, not his wrath, not his anger, but his love to forgive you. And if you still have a little bit of trouble doing repentance, try this. Read this psalm. A beautiful psalm, a familiar psalm. Just take it out and read those verses again and be reminded of how important and how blessed you are when you repent. And then follow those steps. Acknowledge your sin. Appeal to God's grace and be assured you are forgiven. Finally, do it daily. Make it a habit. As, as bad as our habit is with singing, uh, sinning, make it also a good habit to repent. Now, David goes on and he tells us what happens when there is that real repentance. There is real refreshment. Remember how I started out talking about what makes you refreshed? Well, repentance does. David now goes on to tell us how we are refreshed. So now it's your turn. You're going to help me preach the end of this sermon. I'm going to have you read the next verses with me that speak of the blessing that comes, the refreshment we have when we repent. The first set of verses talk about restoration, how we are restored, put back in a right relationship and condition with God. Read with me, please, this verse. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Here he's speaking of that clean heart that God gives us. Not something that we have done because we've, we've kind of changed our life, you know, we've cleaned up our act, so to speak. No, because it's God's grace that has cleaned us. We get a clean heart for a fresh start. And so he's reminding us now that God can give us a faithful spirit. It's one that wants to strive to live God's way, renewed again by his grace. Recently, I had a jumpstart one of our cars. It had been sitting for a while and the battery went dead. I mean, it was dead, dead, so dead that even the dome light wouldn't come out in the car. There was no juice at all in that thing. So I hooked it up to my van and it still wouldn't start, it was so dead. I had to let it sit for a half an hour, I even had one of the kids come out and put his foot down on the gas pedal to give it more juice and get some more volts there, and finally it started. The faithful spirit that we need is only gonna come when we are connected to God's grace and strength, which is what we get from the sacraments 
and from the word. Now, David goes on and he gives us some more things we will experience as refreshment. Let's read this verse. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. He was reminding us of the blessing of having communion with God. Simply put, it's having God in our life. Simply put, we need God in our life. David saw what it was like not having God in life. He was perhaps thinking of what happened to his predecessor, King Saul, who had rejected God and experienced all sorts of trouble because of it. David didn't want that. He knew he had sinned against God, but he didn't want to be rejected and have God out of his life. God is with us forever. We need him now, and he will be with us. Let's read this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. A joyful spirit is what David is asking for. You know, we all want to be happy. We all look for things that make us happy, certain activities, certain possessions, whatever it might be. Why is it that we look around us for joy when the joy can be right in us from his spirit? You know, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. And we do. But with him, there is joy. Get that joyful spirit from his spirit living in you. And then ask for a dedicated will. One that is strong, that is steadfast, that will follow his ways. We hear so many things and see so many things around us that try to mislead us in how we live. Ask for a spirit that's dedicated to follow God's will, to live in his ways. And then watch the change that comes in your life. The word repentance in the New Testament means to have a change, a change of mind and will. David now speaks of the commitment, the change that we will make. Read these verses with me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. We'll show our commitment, that refreshment in commitment, by teaching the way to God, which Jesus told us is through repentance and belief in him as the Savior. How clear and how right his way is. You know, as, as, as parents, we, we want our kids to have the best education possible. As, as just people ourselves, we, we want to make sure that we are well-equipped and, and have the knowledge to do well in this world. Well, how important it is that we know this, that our sins are forgiven in Jesus. That's the most important thing. And that's what we want to share with our family, with our friends, with this community, with this world. Now, let's read these next verses. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. He keeps going. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, 
a broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. And so he's reminding us then through repentance, we can praise God for his grace. There's a song we sing in the contemporary service, How Can I Stop from Singing Your Praise? I can't. It's too wonderful. I have the relief. I have the refreshment of your grace. All now I can do is sing. Sometimes people don't want to come to church. I often wonder if maybe they just don't understand the grace they have from God. And maybe they don't understand the seriousness of their sin and the thoroughness of God's forgiveness. We know it. Let's sing about it. One more commitment. Let's read it. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Kind of funny language for us, huh? Offering bowls on an altar. But that was their way of showing commitment of a commitment to live according to the will of God. We don't sacrifice bulls anymore on altars, but we do make commitments with our vows, our vows of confirmation, our vows at marriage, our vows and our prayers in which we promise God to live better, to serve him, to give him glory. That's the commitment, that's the change that's made from that refreshment we experience from repentance. Well, think of a time when you have felt refreshed. Maybe after you've had a vacation, maybe after a good meal and when your hunger and thirst was satisfied, maybe just after a good night's rest. Well, there's a refreshment that we need spiritually. And the true refreshment that comes, the real refreshment, is that which is found in repentance, in acknowledging and being assured of God's forgiveness. A few years ago, there was a commercial on TV in which a, a little boy was trying to get his brother to eat some kind of a cereal. Remember the, the line at the end? Try it, you like it. Well, that's my advice to you. You want some refreshment? Then try repentance. You'll like it because it's guaranteed from God. Amen.